Yeah. And Sarah was like, hey, did you know the Supreme Court, their term started in October? The first Monday of October was like, what the fuck is the first Monday of October? <laughs> like, that's just such a random time to me. Like, I, I don't know. know. Welcome to the United She Stands podcast, the show that brings kindness and women into politics. I'm Ashley. And I'm Sarah. And we're two Midwestern women from Ohio who have a passion for kindness, lifting others up, and making a difference. Our experience in corporate America has taught us both to build and navigate all kinds of relationships and lead groups of people. When it comes to politics, however, there is nothing official about us. We're just two gals who want to be better educated on the U.S. government and learn how we, as women, can make an impact together. Each episode, we will bring our listeners along on our own educational journey. And we'll also share real-life experiences from women involved and impacted by politics. And we'll try to make it as fun as possible. We're so glad you're here for the ride. We are back here today to complete our trilogy of breaking down the three branches of government. We released episodes on the legislative branch and the executive branch. So by process of elimination, you can guess what we're covering today. The... Bum, 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 judicial branch. Ashley, what are we drinking today? I am drinking a Great Lakes Mexican lager because my husband... The Mexican lagers, the man. Mexican they gotta lager. stop. He buys so many. There's so many in my beer fridge, so someone has to drink them. Here I am. Here you are. I am drinking um, Strange Haze IPA from Highlanders. Where'd you get this from, Ash? You got this for me. Oh, it said brood. It says brood in Montana. There you go, Montana. Cool. We love beer. <laughs> we love beer. We love beer. Okay. On that note, what did we know before researching um, for this episode? I knew the Supreme Court was in this branch, and um, yep. Yeah, I mean, same. I knew the Supreme Court was here. All of our courts, right at whatever level it is, were here. And that they decided if laws were valid, I guess, is the way I would say it. And also, like, you know, determined, oversaw courts to determine outcomes for cases. That's about it. (laughs) High level. Very high level. So with that, let's start with some background on the judicial branch. Article 3 in the Constitution outlines the judicial branch. It's overall not very long meaning there is room for interpretation of the powers of this branch, at least according to the original version of Article 3. Alexander Hamilton called it the least dangerous branch in the Federalist No. 78 essay he wrote in 1788. The Constitution didn't even talk about the main power the branch has today, which is deciding whether a law or decision made by the government is constitutional. This power they use today is called judicial review, and they decide this no matter what Congress or the President or anyone else has to say. Judicial review was actually established by the Supreme Court in 1803 in the landmark decision of Marbury v. Madison. So you're saying that the Supreme Court determined that they had themselves judicial review. Correct. So the Supreme Court was like, hey, we get this power. They're like, hey, the power's ours. (laughs) Yes, which is so wild to me, which actually, like, I think I told you, Sarah, before we were recording, I actually remember this from like what I can't remember which class, probably constitutional law or something. You I were there in, in 1803. <laughs> yeah, I was there in 1803. I remember. No, but but it's crazy because I just always hear the argument from people that are like, well, the judges are just, you know, going by the Constitution. They're not, you know, they're just interpreting the Constitution. They don't uh, make legislation from their seat. They literally did make a, like a power from their seat. With that this. is crazy. Yeah. 
1803, they'd be wild in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're more wild today or they yeah. were in 1803. That's up for debate. Yes. Ah, get it? <laughs> Court debate. Ah. Got it. Got it. Okay. So interesting fact here. Our constitution is only 4,543 words, excluding our amendments. There are only three other constitutions, both national and state, that are shorter than our U.S. constitution. And that is Jordan's constitution, Monaco's, and the Vatican City's constitution. So this is a branch composed of the Supreme Court justices and federal judges. These roles are appointed by the president with advice and approval from the Senate. Supreme Court justices and federal judges' terms are for life. For life. 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 That is wild. They can retire, which is how most choose to end their term, die on the bench. They can be impeached by the House and removed by the Senate. They are harder to get rid of than, I don't know, the constant smell of alcohol in a college house. Or red wine on a white t-shirt. How about the food you made for dinner on your toddler's plate? Or your in-laws on a holiday. Uh, The nostalgia you feel when 2000s pop music plays? But like definitely harder to get rid of than your former classmate who's always in your DMs about their new pyramid scheme. All that to say. (laughs) (laughs) This is why it is so significant when Supreme Court justices are appointed, and why it's even more significant that in our lifetime, President Trump appointed three Supreme Court justices during his term. That is one president who did not get reelected. He got to appoint three justices for life. 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 That is a lasting impact, even when sentiment among the country and voters has changed. So just something to think about, and one more reason that your vote does matter and is so important. So transitioning to the powers of the Supreme Court, they hear cases about ambassadors, public officials, and states. They are most commonly an appealant court, meaning it hears appeals. So cases can start in a federal court and make its way through the court system until it gets a final hearing in the Supreme Court, which is the highest of all highs. They have the final say on cases because they, like I said, are the highest court and have judicial review, which they granted themselves. If a law is struck down by a Supreme Court decision, a.k.a. it was deemed unconstitutional or the right was not protected by the Constitution, etc., proposing an amendment to the Constitution and pushing to get it made into a new law or amendment is the way around the Supreme Court's ruling. So this is actually happening, and we're recording this at the end of um, 2022. This was in talks from the Biden administration with Roe versus Wade during this last election period. They were saying that if Democrats got a majority in the House and the Senate, that we could write abortion laws into law. So making an amendment to make it constitutional or um, protected by the Constitution, which is what the Supreme Court just overruled back in this past June of 2022. So, a timely fact, it's extremely rare for the Supreme Court to overturn its own decisions. As of late 2022, at the time of this recording, like I mentioned, the Supreme Court has made over 25,000 decisions since its creation in 1789. So, of those 25,000 decisions, they have only overturned about a half a percent, and that's an extremely small number. So they typically overturn these decisions based on cultural, political, technological, etc. advances or changes in society. But with Roe versus Wade, seems like we're going back in time instead of keeping up with the times, in my opinion. But on a more positive note, another example of this is their decision in 1954, Brown versus Board of Education, 
which ruled racial segregation in schools unconstitutional. But in the 1896 Plessy v. Ferguson case, they ruled racial segregation in schools constitutional because it was separate but equal. Barf! Thankfully, they corrected their mistake almost 60 years later. So we talked about the powers of the Supreme Court, but how does a case actually get to the Supreme Court? It is not easy. There are two ways a case can go to the Supreme Court. First is through the state court. This is the least common way. Only about 10% of cases that make it to the Supreme Court come from here, even though a majority of all court cases in general in the United States are in state court. Some state court examples of cases are things like issues with a family member's will, stealing a car, etc. When you break a law, you are in state court for that case. But if there is a question around if the law that was broken was constitutional or not, then it can be appealed to a higher court. The case would first go to the state Supreme Court because, yes, each state has their own. We didn't talk about that, but they do. And then the case can be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. More commonly, cases make their way to the Supreme Court through district courts. There are 96 federal district courts in the United States. They try civil and criminal cases. If you lose here in district court, you can appeal to your circuit court. We'll talk more about circuit courts here in a second. When you appeal to the circuit court, you can't say the actual ruling was incorrect although you may strongly disagree with it or right out disagree with it. Your argument when appealing must be about how the trial went or the law itself. Examples of what you can appeal are, maybe you don't think the law you broke was constitutional. You thought the jury selection wasn't fair. A judge could have refused to consider a significant piece of evidence, etc. Now on to circuit courts. There are 13 circuit courts in the United States. 11 are based on geographic location, one is in Washington, D.C., and one deals with mostly patent law cases. Parties in the circuit courts are a petitioner and a respondent. So the petitioner is the party that lost the case in the lower court, and the respondent is the party that won the case. A brief that summarizes each party's reasoning gets passed off to three circuit court judges who either can make a decision based on the briefs or choose to have a hearing. The case could have three different outcomes from the circuit court. The first outcome could be that they affirm the lower court was right, The second could be that they reverse, the lower court was wrong, aka, sorry, respondent. Or the third could be that they remand. They send it back to the lower court for a retrial with specific instructions. Now, this could be a combo of these outcomes. So, for example, the court could reverse and remand, aka, you are wrong, but hold a trial or a retrial to determine how much money should be paid in damages. So, usually, this is where it all ends, here in the circuit court, as this is a very powerful court. But what if you don't want to give up? You still don't like the answer from the circuit court, and you will not back down. You can file a petition for a writ of certiari, a.k.a. cert petition. And I am not sure if I said that correctly, but I gave it my best shot. I literally said this right after I listened to the YouTube uh, video explaining how to pronounce it, so I tried my hardest. But that is the official request to have a case heard in the Supreme Court. It includes facts of the case and why it's important for the highest of all highs to hear. The common reason on these documents is a circuit split. So this is when one circuit rules one way on a legal issue, but another rules the other. So this is not on the same case, but the same legal issue. This is a common reason, like I said, and a great way to increase your chances of getting your case accepted to be heard in the Supreme Court. Another common way for a case to be heard by them is through the Office of the Solicitor General. So this is the person who is responsible for representing the United States in the Supreme Court, which like, wow, what a job. Hi, I'm here to represent the United States, and I'm not the president. Like, that's just 
a lot of pressure, <laughs> but if they ask the court to take the case, the court typically will. The justices review the cert petitions, and if four of nine of them approve it to go before the court, then it's added to the docket. But only about 80 out of the seven to 8,000 cert petitions actually get heard. That's about 0.01%. So don't get your hopes up. But let's say you are lucky enough to be in that 0.01%. The fancy phrase is, a writ is granted. Ta-da! Then you have 45 days to submit another brief called the merits brief. This one is about why you, the petitioner, should win. 35 days after the submission, the respondent needs to submit their merit brief. Any parties not directly involved but have a strong interest in the outcome can file an amicus brief. Briefs, 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 briefs. Briefs on briefs on briefs. (laughs) So many briefs. (laughs) Fruit of the loom briefs? (laughs) Same thing. Just handing them to the courts. (laughs) One and the same. (laughs) After all those briefs, you might not even get to be in the courtroom for the case. Often, it's just the justices and the petitioner and respondents' lawyers or advocates. No jury. So the day has come. It's finally the first Monday in October. Record scratch. Er. Cool. What does that mean? (laughs) Finally spooky season or nah. So the Supreme Court begins its term every first Monday on October. And that's actually a law. And then they wrap up their term usually around the end of June or early July. And I had no idea this was a thing. I was like, cool. Like Monday in October. Yep. But no, this is the same thing every single year by law. Yeah. And Sarah was like, hey, did you know the Supreme Court their term started in October. The first Monday of October is like, what the fuck is the first Monday of October? <laughs> like, that's just such a random time to me. Like, I, I don't know. know. And like, I feel like it doesn't really line up with anything like, else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. Like, it doesn't line up with the school calendar. It doesn't really line up with seasons because it's technically already fall. But I mean, I you know, guess. like election cycles, which I mean, I guess makes sense, right? The whole point is the Supreme Court is not supposed to be like partisan. Yeah. I don't know. It's just yeah. it's just like so random, like October. Also, like, yeah. Also, like, why not like, just the first of the year? Or I don't know. Right. It's it, just it, so strange. It feels super strange. Yeah. So anyway, if you learned anything today, you learned that the Supreme Court term starts in October. Starts at the beginning of the spooky season. Okay. So on the first Monday in October, they begin their day at 10 a.m. And each case gets about one hour. So the petitioner and the respondent split the time, each with their arguments and time for questions. On Mondays and Tuesdays, they hear one to two cases. On Wednesdays and Fridays, they meet to vote on the cases they heard on the previous days. So this is called the Justices' Conference, and this is just the nine of them and no one else. Once the vote is complete, the Justices and the majority write the opinion, so the majority opinion, and the Justices and the minority can write a combined or individual dissenting opinions or concurring opinions. So these opinions in written form are very important because the justices can actually change their vote based on the opinions and dissents. So since their vote can change, these documents can take months to have a final version, and the ruling isn't official until the final version of the opinion is written. And all opinions are due late June slash early July, and this is also when the Supreme Court term ends. So when I was researching this, I was like, wait, Roe versus Wade was overturned in the summer, but they heard the case back in the fall. How does how does this even happen? Like, why was there such a big gap? But I, I just didn't realize it took them so long to write these opinions and how far away the deadline is from when the session originally starts in October. And, you know, thinking back, it makes sense that the 
opinion was leaked a few months before the final opinion was what's the word i'm looking for uh official yeah announced. Uh, yeah uh, announced announced thank you yeah public um, i don't know yeah public like officially public so that was definitely a big learning piece for me yeah and i i can't remember where i read this but i did read like i mean they take so long to write these opinions because like think about this we study court cases to this day like we write we study opinions written to this day so like this is like i mean yeah that's a good the point. highest level of the land you know what i mean yeah like, i mean stuff I- is written read and Read and read over and over and studied for ever, and it's basically like determines how we like our laws and how yeah. we function. So yeah, so I guess it's probably good that they take all this time. Yeah, but it's still crazy. Yeah, it's kind of just fascinating. Yeah. Um. So each final decision includes four main parts: a syllabus, which is the facts of the case and how the court rules; the main opinion, the justices sign on what they agree with. They have the legal reasoning and precedent for why they voted the way they did in this section. The concurring and dissenting opinions. This is where the opposing justices write why their colleagues are wrong. And disposition. The actual action the court is taking. Affirm, reverse, or remand. Now the ruling must be implemented because the highest courts have spoken. For better or for worse. So let's wrap this up. The judicial branch is made up of our courts, and they have the sole power to interpret the law, determine the constitutionality of the law, and apply it to individual cases. Power. That's power. Power. And they're not elected. They are appointed. Appointed. Wow, that's a great way to put it. They are. Like, I mean, that's what we just talked about, but just like that little phrase, they are appointed, not elected. Wow. And at the federal level, it's for life. For life. L-Y-F-E, life. <laughs> L-Y-F-E. Uh, so, yes, that is a, the judicial branch. As always, we'll have the sources linked in the show notes for you guys. And thanks for jumping on today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We appreciate you more than you know. If you appreciate us and our show, please hit the follow button and share this episode with anyone you think would enjoy it. You can also give us a follow on Instagram to stay in the know on all things United She Stands. The link is in the show notes. We'll see you next time. And remember, we We can can make make a difference in this world. They can die on the bench. (laughs) Why did you write (laughs) Me or B follow you (laughs) <laughs> I was like waiting for you to yell or something. You like took such a deep breath and I was like, because <laughs> I, I can't breathe. What is coming? <laughs> hey, Link, what do you want our listeners to know? Go at you. You want to go at the zoo? Let's yeah. go to the zoo. What's at the zoo? Go. The goats? Yeah. My mouth is like full of <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> drooling. Full of snot? Is Saliva. <laughs> Like, I went to talk and I almost, like, drooled. I, like, link right now. Go team. What? Go team. Go team? Yeah. (laughs) Go team! I feel out of breath now, too.